Turn to the Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. And we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 6. In fact, I'm going to let you read it. I'm just going to listen to you reading it. How's that? You're going to read together as a church. Let's see if you can read as one voice. Would you all start reading right now? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Almighty God, we love you. We adore you. We're here to worship you without any reservation. You're God. Bless this place. Bless our worship as we give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be seated. And my title is going to be a little different today and tonight is how to make this church great. How to make this church great. How to make this church great. The Bible says the Old Testament is written for our learning and for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come. What does it all mean? I suppose it means that this present system will one day pass away. And God said the earth abides forever, so there's going to be another earth. You know, it tells me way back in Revelation at the end that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, so don't get too involved in this one because it's going to be passing away. And today your house worth a million. When it passed away, you know, worth zero. <laughs> melt down to zero. All the credentials on the wall is going to fall to the ground and they're not worth anything. For a church to be great, God has to be able to entrust in their care certain situations in people's lives. A church greatness is not based on the bricks the order designed and the cash in the bank and the number of people on the pew. But church greatness is based on the impact we have on our community. 
When we went to, the, to Asia, we were in Ephesus, Greece, and all those places. I was a little bit disturbed because they were showing me relics of the pagan gods' houses. Their temple, the Muslim mosque, but nobody showed me a oneness church. They showed me their library. They showed me all the false gods, Dagon gods, the Trinitarian gods, and all those gods they had out there. What they did, how they did what they did. But I couldn't find nothing on the oneness of God's people. And so I, I felt disturbed. And God said, oh, no, you're wrong. You got this all wrong, boy. He says, what I built is not on earth. He said, what I built is in heaven with me. It's in heaven. He didn't come here to build bricks and mortars and edifices. And there's some churches look like almost like Buckingham Palace. You walk in there, you don't want to go home. You want to sleep and eat off the floor. I mean, it's just beautiful cathedral. I've been to Rome, the Vatican. I've seen it. Man, marbles and gold and silver and brass, you name it. All. I mean, a real imitation of Solomon's Temple. Just elegant. But all they do is show you pictures. Bricks. Nobody discuss who's being saved. or. And so God said, my church is not down here. He says, I'll build my church. And I realize God is building his church on the same level as God built the ark for Noah to save some people. Then God built the temple for the people to worship. And now they're going to build me a church. And this time he's going to be the builder of the church. Not anybody but him. Going to build himself. And let me tell you, you cannot be a member of the church by me signing your name on a book. You've got to be born again. And don't convince me, convince him. Because I won't be at the gate to block you. Or let you in. He says, I am the door. So Jesus says. And you're not going to get in. If you don't have the keys. He said, if you come in any other way. Beside the key way. You are a thief. And a robber. And there's no robbers and thieves in heaven. So. I'm not worried about what the world thinks. What entrance requirements are. They can talk all they want to. But they're not going to fool Jesus. Now, what is the purpose of this church? This purpose of the church is to help people have a turnaround experience. Turn around from the powers of Satan to the power of a Savior. The powers of Satan to the power of a Savior. To turn away from deception to revelation. From lies to truth. Now everybody don't love truth. Everybody don't want truth. And it's not your job to go around and beat people into accepting truth. God says you shall be a witness unto me. He didn't call you to be a warrior. To go fight wars against people who don't believe. If a guy don't believe, that's his rights not to believe. If a guy doesn't want it, that's his rights not to want it. You don't take a sword and kill him. 
You don't grab him by his neck and beat him up. In fact, if he's hungry, feed him. <laughs> if he fell in the gutter, pick him up. But that don't save him. He's got a right to believe what he wants to believe. He or she has a right to go where they want to go. Nobody have to go through that door. You don't have to. Or come through the way that Jesus Christ offered it. In fact, you don't even have to believe on it if you don't want to. It's choice. I don't see no rope, God pulling anybody, follow me. He said, oh no, you take up that cross and you follow my footprints. If you don't want to do that, fair enough. So, what's for the church? The purpose of the church is to give information. Give information because people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. They lack knowledge. And knowledge is power. And so God put teaching apostles and teaching priests and teaching elders and teaching deacons and te teaching work, you know, workers, leaders to help people to understand. Because the Bible says, how, how can I understand except some man teach me? If you will not submit yourself to teaching, you will be lost, guaranteed. Satan is smarter than you. He's destroyed millions before you were born. And the back of the Bible says, and he deceived the whole. And if you think you're smarter than the devil, go ahead. But the only way God's going to save you is by a teaching, preaching ministry. God chose preaching to save them that are lost. If that's God's method, I don't care where you go, what you do, you're wasting your effort. Might as well go get drunk and go gambling, go to hell and enjoy it. Because at least you go to hell for something you, you did. But don't play church and go to hell. It's not worth it. Amen. God says, and then God says, search the what? Philosophy. No, search the scripture. I don't care what the world views are. I don't care what religion says. Religion is not church. That's man-made. For man, satisfy man. Search the scripture. For in them you think, not you have, you think you have eternal life. Now we're, you may not have it. Line up and line. So, but the, the purpose of the church and why we're here is to give hope to the hopeless. The purpose of the church is to bring peace to people who are provoked by a troubled heart. That's the purpose of a great church. To turn the hearts that are fainted, amen, to the boldness that they can say, I know in whom I believe. I know when I believe. I know what I believe. And I know that I know that I'm saved. Not based on what Pastor Neil says or top church said, but I read it and I obeyed it in the scripture. And my belief is not in the mercy of some argument. I told somebody the other day, so I said, if I come to your church, do I have to wear you know, your dress coat? I said, you tell them absolutely not. Come naked if they want to. Streak. 
Don't wear a shirt. Don't wear pants. Don't wear not even underwear. Just come naked. We'll know. We'll know you're mad. <laughs> we'll cast the devil out of you. <laughs> we ain't gonna bother Jesus. But I know one thing: if I join the fire brigade, they have uniform for me. I know that. I know if I join the army, they got uniform for me. And they got standards, belief systems. If I join the hospital downtown, they got clothing I gotta wear. And different color clothing. And I don't pick the one I get. They tell me the one I fit. And they've got different color uniform in the hospital. They tell you who's who. And you're gonna tell me the church is any different? You are out of your mind. You know, it's amazing. People think in the world they obey the traffic light laws, they obey the government laws, the tax law. When you come to church, they want to do what they feel like. It doesn't work. What makes you think it's going to work? Come on now. Hello. It doesn't work. If you're in court for tax evasion, you think you can bring your own tax lawyer and give his own interpretation? They throw you and him in jail. We're going to bring you their interpretation. And I read before tax law interpretation. They got them. That they gave interpretation. And you got to follow it. So we, we teach people how to go from worthlessness to worth. That's a great church. A great church take a person from faithlessness to faith. From a life of disgrace to grace. From a life of lifelessness to abundant life in Christ. From being a victim of every whims and situation that troubled you, we seek to bring you into a life of victory. You cannot be a Christian and still be in bondage. It's impossible. You cannot be a Christian and still be deceived. It's impossible. It just don't work. You can't be a Christian and the devil at the same time. It's impossible. You will never put Jesus and the devil in the same box. One of them got to leave. And you know who's going to leave? The one that you want to leave. Because Jesus is a gentleman. And so the church here is to help people that were powerless to be endued with power. Power to say I can't do that. No. Joseph says, why should I do that and sin against God? I'm not going to do that. Have my shirt if you want it, but you would have my soul. Those Hebrew boys says, I will not bow to some strange false gods. I don't care how many you are. I don't care how hot the fire is. I am not bowing. Daniel says, I ain't praying to those jokers. They're not gods. They're your God, not mine. You see, when you belong to the, you know, tonight after church, I'm going to my house. I'm not going to my neighbor's home. I'm not going to sleep in their bed. Hello. When I came from Edmonton from the city, I come to my home. Hello. I'm not going to false churches. So they can poison me? Destroy me? Blaspheme my God 
and I sit there and listen to it? No. One thing about Mohammedanism, Muslim, they will not tolerate you blaspheme their God. They will not tolerate you blaspheme the Quran. And on that, and that, on that, I give them high points. I don't care what you think. I give them high points. You will not blaspheme my God. I don't do something about it. They get mad. But you can sit there and hear them blaspheme your God and sit like, oh, maybe they're right. I've never seen a Muslim done that. Like, cut your head off. Now, I'm going to use the Tower of Babel in a positive light tonight. As, as a role model of what footprint to a greatness is all about. This church has potential to be achievers. You already know the plan of salvation, Acts 2.38, obey it. You can't miss the gate if you obey it. But guess what? You're still on earth. So obviously you're here for a job. Your job is you're an ambassador. You're a servant. You're in stewardship work. In the 25th chapter of Matthew, I, I ask you to read it, if you would, please, and see what your future looks like in Matthew 25. Talking about you, not sinners. Talking about people of God. So rather than me telling you, I want you to read it for yourself, and you're wise to believe it. But the Tower of Babel is a model. In fact, I'm going to shock you and let you know the Tower of Babel and Acts chapter 1 have a lot in common. In Tower of Babel, there's confusion. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, there's infusion. Infusion. Amen. What was it that God saw in that mass of people that came out of the ark that provoked him to come down from where he was? And say, I better stop those guys. I got to put an end to what they're doing. And he got, he got some angels with them and says, we better go down there and see what they're doing. Because these guys are involved in some activity that bring me down from heaven. How far heaven is? Billions, billions of miles away. But what they were thinking and what they were organizing to do, God says, I need to get involved. In fact, I'm not even involved. I'm not even included in the plan. <laughs> I'm going to show you before and after at Babel. Now, they didn't call themselves Babel. They named that. There are 11 things I want to point out to you that they did. And I believe they were involved in greatness and every one of them were involved in becoming an achiever. And didn't say the devil stopped them, says God stopped them because they were running too fast.
I would like to know the devil's trying to stop us because we're achievers. And we're accomplishing things that bothers them. Number one, what did God saw? I'm going to tell you what I think God sees when he looked down on them. Number one, they're planning for their future group security. Nobody in that group says I. It says us. Let us. That's so powerful. Any church that talks like that, let us, not me, I, and myself. They said, we're planning for our future and we want our security. Number two, they had a united effort. They were in total agreement in what this led us plan to achieve. They were united in their effort. They were like one people. And number three, they were a team. I see amongst them one of the greatest lessons on leadership and organization. This is the first organization we know among men. The first. I don't care all the other books written, they can't surpass this. Every lesson you've learned in organization got to come back to this book right here. The formation was of a team. Team. And we found that team actually means together each achieves more. They form a team. And then before, they had all things in common. That's what God saw. It bothered the Lord. Because you know a house divided cannot what? And if Satan kingdom divided shall, this is not a divided kingdom. Therefore it shall what? Stand. It shall not fall. Wife and husband disagree and go to bed in disagreement, they're going to fall down the road. Divorcing, end up hitting each other. They're unified in everything. Collaboration cannot fall. They have all things in common. What? It, this didn't start book of Acts. It started in Genesis. I'm trying to tell you, Acts chapter 1, unification and organization, didn't start with them. It started right here. You can't find any organization as effective and powerful and effectual as this group. They brought God down. No wonder God said they're wiser than us. What does he see to make him say that? Now, Mom, it's hard for you to admit that the neighbor's kid is smarter than your kid. To the point you may even lie about it. And act like your kid is smarter. When in reality your kid is not smarter. But God, no respective person, had to admit the world is smarter than we are. They had all things in common. In other words, they're so amalgamated, so infused, and so covalently and interstitially come together, you can't tell one from the other. 
They were knitted together. You know, like a three-fold card? They're not easily broken. That's how they're knitted together. But all things in common. In other words, a church greatness is not based on our purse, string, congregation size, but based on these qualities. Number five, they were all united around one leadership. And I'm sure they're all smart. Nimrin was the boss. Nobody questioned it. Nobody rivaled him. There was no opposition party. One didn't say, I'm Democrat, I'm conservative, I'm liberal, I'm socialist, I'm da-da-da-da, a communist. They said, we're, we're us. You're looking at us. Look at us. Remember Peter at the gate, the guy? He said, look at me. He said, look at us. Us. They were united around a common leader, a common purpose. Nobody questioned his ability, his authority, what he was doing. All they knew in a blueprint, we're going to build a tower, and we're going to heaven. And you're all involved in building this. You are like the ant. You're busy. One project. One people. One mind. One goal. And number six, they had one language. No gossiping. No backbiting. No grapevine. Hello? The communication line was clearly defined. That everybody knew the clearinghouse. It was coming to them. One language, so we don't need an interpreter. We don't need a decipher. We don't need a Greek or a Hebrew lexicon. <laughs> we don't need any of that stuff. When he says, run, everybody knows run mean run. You know, I like what the brother was preaching the night. He said, <laughs> the centurion leader says, this was the son of God. And the rest of them said, this was the son of God. Because that's their job to repeat. Right? Left, right, left, right. And they all said, left, right, left, right. You know how you bring a bridge down? One person cannot bring it down. We get an army march in unity. If they ever get in unity, they bring that bridge down. I don't care how big the bridge is. If they start marching in unity, in one accord, that bridge by sine wave will go in the molecule and the optimum of that thing and bring it right down. You see what Satan is afraid of? One language, no grapevine. Number seven. That's what God saw. It bothered him. They had unlimited imagination. Their goal was to reach the heavens. They said, we want to build one to reach the heavens. Whether they could achieve it or not was not a question. Nobody said, it can't be done. 
We have no Tarshan oil <laughs> or technology or science. They said, we're going to use brick. And brick we're going to use. We agree on the material. Brick. And everybody can have a brick in their hand. Nobody will stopping off the job. Everybody. They said, we have no limits. Because the sky has no limit. We're going to get up there. Now, I know they couldn't get there. God knows they couldn't get there. But God is judging them based on their thought process. As a man thinketh, so he's become. They had one vision, one mission, and they're going up, and nothing going to stop them but God. You can see why Joshua was so successful? I want to Joshua copy those guys. Why is Joshua chapter 1 so powerful? Any family, any marriage that, that apply that to their lives, they're bound to have success. And number eight, they had one dream. Nobody had a nightmare. And they had the same vision. Let us. Nobody left behind. Everybody, every hand on deck. Wow. We're going to do it. Nobody said, well, we can't do it. We'll never get there. We'll take too long. Cost too much. It's a long work. Let's keep on marching. They said, oh, no. Right here, we're going to build. We're going to get to heaven, all of us. We are going to get to heaven. And number nine, there was no known division among them. He said there were one language. And if you want to know the beginning of oneness, I think oneness starts right here. Everything about them is one, one, one. I wonder where Paul got that idea from. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one church, one God who's above all, one gospel, one. And that's why Christians are never confused by other religion because we don't need to learn what other people believe. We just need the one true genuine. And if you don't fit, you're out. When we pick up that sample, the, the genuine, and put it against the counterfeit, if they don't match, out. I don't want you to explain to me great fine details. I hardly care what your dictionary says. It just don't fit. Out. Well, there's no church, no division. Only fusion. No share. Everybody abilities, talents, and skills were available. Nobody said, this is my department. I'm in the mud department. <laughs> this guy said, I'm in the brick department. No one said, I'm the overseer. I'm the boss. No. 
Let us build. And there are one on every level. And God says, hmm, these guys, if I leave them alone, they'll accomplish anything they imagine. And there will be no restraining to what they want to achieve. I mean, these are achievers. I wonder why Moses couldn't get to the promised land in three days. And a bunch of guys said, we can't do it. It just weakened you right there on the spot. That's why God have more sheep than goats. Goats say nay, naysayers. And God want the yaysayers. So there's no division. All the abilities, all the talents was needed. You know, I, I taught one time about the toolbox. I'm not sure if you all heard me when I talked about that. You know, I know about those tools. I never see one of those tools said to me, pick me, pick me. Because they knew when their skills are required, I will pick them up. It has nothing to do with favoritism or nepotism. I'm just going to pick up the tool I need for that job. Let's worship the Lord. I'm talking about how to build a great church. Amen. Amen. I read a book one time, man gave me, but um, how to win war. He said, don't send your army. Send three or four guys. And they can win the war. And by the way, so when you go to fight an army that's powerful than you are, and you can't defeat them on the battlefield man to man, don't try to match them man to man because they'll whip you. But send a few and tell them to do this one thing. Find out who does not agree with the program. <laughs> Get in there and find who doesn't agree with the plan. Find some disgruntled discontent. And I promise you, they'll show the way into that city. Did you know that Samson could not build, bring down that building if that little boy didn't help him? As strong as he was, I don't know what axe to grind that little boy had on his mind, on his heart. But he knew what Samson was going to do. And he helped him. He took him to the right, the center of power and authority. And I believe Samson told him, boy, get out of here fast. Get out of here quick. And when you leave, let me hear you shout at me. Say, I'm out. When he came out, Samson said, okay, now pull that pillar. There are pillars in every church. And if you can get a hold of that pillar and corrupt them, you can bring that church down, at least for a while. Find who the pillars are. Corrupt them. Turn them discontented, maladjusted, fault-finding, don't like the way things are run. And I promise you, you could bring that tower down. You want to destroy a district? Destroy the board. Destroy the presbyter. Or get, you get the rest. Don't go up to those guys. They got no power. You go up to the, the powerhouse where the pillar is. Amen. You know how they got Judas? He carried the bag. 
he was very important to the system. Most guys don't know he was next to Jesus. How many knew that? Positionally, he was next to Jesus. Most guys don't know that. That's a powerful place to be. And he brought down that kingdom of Jesus on earth. Jesus could not do anything because he brought it down. Pastor. And so there was no division among them. One they said, well, I'm upset, so I will not give you my trowel. I will not mix mud today. <laughs> Sorry, I won't support pulling the wheelbarrow because I'm mad. I'm upset. I resign. I'm on vacation. It's something like the book of Ezra and Nehemiah where the noble wouldn't put their to the shoulder. I was thinking this week, there are no books written about how to be a practical pastor. There are none. Every book I read tell you how to be a preacher, preach out of the pulpit, dress in tie, look like this, look nice, call the offering, give sermons, and look good. But nobody ever teach those guys, pick up a shovel and shovel the snow before the saints get there. You know what I'm saying? Nobody ever teach them, go clean the toilet and make sure it's clean. That's amazing. If you can't find a pastoral book like that, I'll give you $500 cash. In Canadians, find me a book that tells you how to do that. You can't find a book that tells you, make sure the lights are okay. Make sure there's no fire hazard. <laughs> you won't find a book tells you, don't walk over that trash because somebody's going to hurt themselves. I can I'll give you a long list of stuff. Those books don't exist. Well, I don't, I'm not sure where Nimrod got his wisdom from, but one, one thing I know, Nimrod group was smart people. They were so smart, they said he was mighty before God. You know what mighty mean? Almost a challenge to God. <laughs> he probably was one of those guys God says, I've never seen such great faith. <laughs> this guy in Elkhart, Indiana, had this Bible student who wanted to be a preacher. And so he said he wants to intern with him. He said, oh boys, we're going to paint the church. The guy said, I didn't come here for that. I came here to preach. He said, pack your bag and go home. <laughs> he said, these hands weren't meant for that. No way. It was to handle the word of God. I don't read in this chapter here where anyone was a specialist. This is my department. This is your department. And if it's not my department, I'll pass it over and let it be there. Everybody was building. Now, I don't know why God didn't leave some, some examples of what they were building so we could look at it. You know, he left everything else we could see, but never left the Tower of Babel so we could see it. I wonder why. They want it repeated. 
But do you know in, in, in Revelation chapter 13, in 17 18, they did rebuild it. And the whole world went after them worshiping. Chapter 13 and chapter 17 18 in Revelation is a continuation of the Tower of Babel finally reached its level. And notice who's fighting against it? The Lord of Heaven. This time he has to fight against it. Because all the people he confounded, the languages and all that, they were still united. You guys don't know that? What do you think Revelation 13 and, and uh, 17 18 mean? That's, that's them. This is the fulfillment. When they land on the moon, what do you think they did? That's the fulfillment of the dream. They land on the moon. They went to heaven. They're still going up there. Now they can go with airplanes and rockets. They haven't lost a dream. And they do it. Science cooperates. They may fight wars, but they cooperate in science. Let's go on some more. Number 10, everybody were involved. They're integrated. I don't want to name the churches, but I got some churches to preach. And honestly, I, I see some kids, I mean adults, of course, married out with family, come to the church and go into the office. I said, well, what, are you, what are you doing? I'm coming from work. These guys with doctors and bachelors and master's degree. Some of them are not that high up. Some of them are physicians. Coming to church to clean the church. What? Aren't your hands too clean to nice and to do that? And I was shocked. I've seen more than one church like that. I don't, mean, I don't mean paid staff, I mean volunteered work. Just shocking. Everybody on this job volunteered. They could have said, I will not get involved with building Babylon. <laughs> I go build my own kit. <laughs> but they were together. They had all things in common. The first thing I learned as a pastor was, I learned this at home, church. You clean the church. My wife and I go, we mop it. We cleaned it. In fact, we weren't asked to, we just did it. We asked for the key. We wanted to clean the church, clean the bathroom. That's why I don't play piano, but nobody's there. I make all the noise I want to. Nobody can hear me play, just the walls. And we just was did that. That's what we did. We'd, in fact, we had, we had no car. We drove took on a bus to go there. Right? I didn't take a bus. and go there. Wintertime, summertime, just did. I guess the man of God saw we love the work of God, so he gets more involved. <laughs> he probably saw we, we love the work of God. And we shoveled snow and gave track somewhere. It was minus 40. We did. Freezing. So <laughs> uh, peanut brittle. It was cold. But we weren't the first one to do that. It would happen right here. That's why the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Nobody is original. The things you and I are doing was done before. We're just identifying with people 
that live before us. I saw in the paper somebody talked to the Prime Minister of Canada and gave him, listen now, a, biblioth a bibliotherapy. Now, in my Genesis Institute, we used to offer that. Nobody took it because they didn't understand what it mean. Bibliotherapy doesn't necessarily mean Bible. It means bibliography of the lives of people who are achievers, who left behind a legacy from which we can step into their footprints and continue. Here's an example. JFK, before he died, he said, we're going to go to the moon. They didn't have to see it, but they did. They're still talking about it. He said they would, and they did. They did. They didn't have to see it, but they did it. Mr. Job is his name, was the communication system. He had the first guy. You know, a guy in his garage that I heard last two weeks ago, garage found a way how to use uh, human wastewater and to re re reuse it and bring it back to brand new. It happened in a Canadian garage. That's amazing. Everybody in this thing was industrious. You will not find anybody in Matthew 25 in this book right here. Everybody was available, responsible, accountable, and durable, and usable. And God saw that. You know, I think personally, I think God was just jealous. Can I prove it to you? Nobody helped Noah build the ark. He had sons of God. I was telling one church, my greatest devil is not Satan, is my self-interest. As long as I put myself and family before the church, I'll never build a church. I'll never do anything for God. Because that's a never-ending need. And you'll never find time. You'll never, this is, this, nothing wrong with taking care of yourself or your family, you should. Otherwise you'll die of faith. But you'll never find time. One guy told me, Sunday's when I mow my lawn. <laughs> okay. He's dying with cancer now. He's probably gone already. Well, that grass got to turn weeds later on. But the most important thing to be mowed and take care of and manicured didn't take care of that. They're all involved. And they're integrated. I don't want to talk about American politics, but when America was great, they were integrated. Now they got factions. They're weak. They're weak. Only one thing that happened to them, decline. Israel, decline. Russia, Soviet Union, decline. The UN, decline. <laughs> Europe, decline. Decline. 
Nobody helped Noah. Nobody helped him. Everybody helped build this tower. If you guys were here in the early 80s, you hear me preach a sermon about the jealousy of God, how God jealous of the pagans. Balaam never answered one prayer. Never. Not even once in the crisis. And they would not give up on him. God said they wouldn't even change him for nothing. In fact, God said, I'll show you something here. These guys are so, so loyal to their false gods. These guys, try to give them, they said, Jeremiah, let me show you what loyalty looks like. You see the guys over here? Give a bottle of beer to, or wine to drink. So they'll drink it. God sent him to tempt them with, with booze. God, yes, God did that. God did. Because God says, I know you can't make them drink it. Because they were told by their leaders not to touch it. They said, we ain't going to touch that. Sorry, Jeremiah. Our fathers told us not to. And sorry, take it somewhere else. God said, Jeremiah, I don't have that liberty with my people. They said, now go into the potter's wheel. Look at the potter's wheel. Look, look, look what goes on down there. Look at the potter's pot clay. He says, I don't have that power. You ever see a new convert come to church? You can't control them. You can't tell them what to do. They say, we ain't going to do it. You know what they say? We're not going to do it. We, don't see, we will not let you teach us. We will not let you do this. We, you know what? Because they still have the spirit of the outside world. They're not yet in submission to Jesus Christ. And they may not be a building material for the church. Because every person who gets saved is a brick. I'm going to jump and tell you, Pentecost is nothing more than a copycat of the Tower of Babel. How many can receive that? <laughs> it's a copycat. God admired them, but scattered them. They didn't destroy them, he scattered them. No, I say this with great respect for the Lord because he said, I haven't seen such faith in Israel. Why, you just did here? I couldn't do it to my Israelites to throw me out. I mean, understand that. And I was thinking about guys who, who, who talk about, well, I'm bivocational preacher. I'm a bivocational preacher. And, and I, I got a job and I got a family and I, and I can't do this and I can't do this. I said, just a minute. Have you read the book of Nehemiah? He had in one hand a sword and one hand a trowel. That's bivocational. And the boss waiting on him to come back to work. Boss said, when you finish building that thing for God, come back to work. You know what he says? And give me a date when you're coming back. You see, the devil, he, no, obviously he was behind this project. The devil was behind it. And God stopped it. He said, no! I'm going to stop it. And the last thing they had, they were all supportive. I like the word. Nobody said I. There's no I in there. Let us 
and we will. I don't see no jealousy. I don't see no sectarianism. I don't see no, it's I, big I, little you. One project. We are going to heaven. And we're going to build this thing by works. And God said, angel, let us go down. And let us what? Come found their language. Now I got 11 things God did to them. And he, we don't want to do this to this church. Amen. Not one shot fired. No, no angel with a, with a sword. God just destroyed unity. Unity. Introduced misunderstanding. The way the devil deceived people from being saved is to mess up their mind. Remember the parable of the sower? He sowed the seed. They heard me. They read the scripture. But they don't understand. The devil said, good. Take it from him. He forgot it. You walk out that building. He forgot everything you told him. Next guy. Oh, my. Woo, this is great. Oh, this is awesome. He received it. But you know what? No depth. He's shallow. Highly emotional. You know, you just easily catch and release. Not catch and retain, but release. That's why God chose animals that chew the cud. You chew it more than one time. And then persecution come, or living for God's requirements, and they quit, they get offended, they're gone. Next one, get choked. So God said, let's go down and cause disunity in, in the midst of them. And let's create misunderstanding. And so they have conflict of goals. Conflict of goals. How are you going to do God? Just go down there and do some things to them and have positivity. They'll break up. They'll leave. Well, well let me tell you what God is going to do. Number one. Cause division. Cause division. Getting from the us to the I. Let them focus on self-interest and of we, not the we interest. Number two, introduce confusion. The confusion means chaotic. Nothing is organized. Everything is just Going crazy. I'm going to speak very plainly. I'm against baby mothers and fathers who take their kids out of church and not hear the word of God. I'm against it because I've seen the fruit of it. In the end, it's not good. They need to be in the presence of God. And I'm against... Send a school that separate kids from their parents. Because at Mount Sinai, they were together. You cannot be absent from the presence of God 
and, and be, be edified. I don't care what you say. No, there's times in my life I got tape ministry. I could not be there, but when I'm there, I want to be in the presence. I want to leave you with a Shekinah glory on me. God did not give me a competition for his word. When God gave me a house, a car, a baby, or a kid, he never gave me something to let me have less of him. Or avoidance of him. You cannot convince me that. If that's the case, then God didn't give you a gift. God gave you a curse. Because he said, you got to love me more than these. And when the rapture takes place, friend, you can't tell me I'm going to be otherwise in the kitchen. He told Martha already, Martha, you're messed up. <laughs> you're in the wrong business. You're in the kitchen business. <clears throat> Your sister is at the feet of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Let's face it, church. Let's say you all had babies. Every one of you got babies. You're all baby mothers. And all church, a church full of baby mothers. And you all go away some distant place in the back room upstairs to carry babies. Do we still have church? Do we still have church? You're going to be empty pews. When we're across the road and uh, we were in church, and this is my wife sitting there sometime and folks not there. No, if she's unwise, she can get up and go in the bathroom. Let me preach to the pews. Or if she's smart, she teaches her body self-control. Because I flew in an airplane one time. It has no bathroom on the plane. The guy tell me, once you're up, you stay up. You wait till we land. No accident up here. So God brought division and confusion. Hello? Confusion among them. They're confused. And number three, God brought barriers. <coughs> Anything to stop them from communicating. The devil will go through any extreme to stop me and you from going to church. Hear the word of God. I don't care what it is, he'll do it. Because faith come by hearing. You know why I go to church all the time? Because the day may come when I can't go. I'm going to live off what I used to have when I was going. My friend has a, his wife right in comatose. For the last two years, she's laying in, 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 in a coma. She cannot talk, can't move. All she can do is just barely wink her eyes if she responds. She can't move. A powerful lady. Build a church, great church. But just lay there dead, basically, basically dead as far as the world's concerned. Barriers. Satan brings barriers. But I watched my pastor's wife. All her children were brought on the pews. You that plan to have babies, listen to me. I watched them. All the kids were in every service from start to finish. And his lesson was this. Before church, they go to bed. Before church, he says, you feed them. Before church, you dress them. When they come to church, they cry and whimper. You go outside, you check the diaper. You check all those ticks. And if there's nothing wrong, then you know what comes on. Solomon's rod. 
<coughs> and if it's too obvious, he says, the preacher step and public like this, this sentence. And boy, they know when they get home, World War V begins. But I want to tell you, every one of them are in church today, living, preaching for God. When the baby got healed, his head was as big as a growing head. What? I can't press the word, but it was growing. They told him his head was going to explode, and his eyes started pulping. And while he was in church, she could have stayed home with that babe. She could have hid him from the word of God. But watching the front pew, worshiping God, she noticed all of a sudden, fast her husband is preaching, the head starts shrinking. She literally watched it shrunk. Shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk to normal. Today, he's a bishop. Married. The doctor said he wouldn't see. He tested him. <laughs> My point is, when, when division came, confusion came, and barriers came, then we had separation. Read the other chapters after that, what comes after that. Amen. Chapter 14, they start having battles. We are a king of nations. We are this and we are that. And number five, the communication broke down. Can't even, I know one church, they run a church by committee, committee. They want to buy a carpet, they call the committee. They want to buy a, a broom, they call the committee. And they either call this committee, and call this committee. Some churches run by committee, and some churches run by boards and, and all this stuff. And little factions, you know what I'm saying? They couldn't buy a wash rag without a committee of decision. One like blue, one like yellow, one like pink. And they got so mad at each other that they begin to carry grudge against each other. I can't shake your hand. You know I can't shake your hand? Because you didn't support my pink rag. And I can't do this for you because, you know. You see, you never know when you're going to step in the pulpit as a leader. And you're going to get back, play back what you used to do. And you better start cultivate godly principles. And become your philosophy of life. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, when the communication break now, okay, so we want to fix the toilet bowl. Well, pastor, I want a blue toilet bowl. No, no, I want a red. I want a green. Ooh. That can break up a church. It can break up families. No, there's a thing in the church called elders. There's a reason for that. Now, in the native community, we found, and when I was teaching, in the, you know, I was trying to help the system. And the first thing I told them was, and they told me to, when the authority of the elders broke down, 
the newcomers had no direction. Some people are in church longer than you are. And they know the pastor's values better than you do. And if they're trying to tell you what he will like and will not like, you need to listen. By virtue of experience. It don't mean that what you're doing is wrong. Hello? Somebody should tell you that don't touch that ark. They didn't. And he touched it. He got killed. I said, God, why did you kill him? Well, the ark represented God. Know what he did? He put his arm around the shoulder of God. God said, how dare you? You can't go have a king. Can you? They told you, ain't going to Buckingham Palace, do not talk to the queen unless she first talked to you. Do not put your hand out there to shake her hand unless she put her hand out to you. Well, some barriers came up, some separation came up, communication break down. They're not talking to each other now. Obviously, the project stopped. The project one stopped. It makes sense. Because everybody withdrew their talent, their skills, their abilities. And nobody wants to give it anymore because they're upset. You ever see upset body? Terrible looking. You look your worst when you're upset. You're ugly. You have bad order. Your vibes are no good. You're just not presentable. Cultivate good habits. Don't hang around those who give you bad habits. Listen to the preacher. Practice what he preaches. It will become perfect. It will work eventually. Make it happen. Because eventually you're going to reap the benefit. It's up to you if you want to clap or not. But I've seen the tragedy of these things. And I'm telling you, don't let it happen to you. God did not give you competition. God didn't give you anything to compete with him. You have to bless him. Amen. So the project stopped. All right? And factions begun. Factions, number seven. Factions begun. Number eight, everybody broke up into individualism. Individualism. I mean myself. I'm hurt. I wasn't consulted. I'm going to show you that the book of Acts. And next thing you know, they get scattered. Why do people leave church? Because the church break up into division and factions. Cliques. I've seen where saints almost want to fight each other in church. I've seen that. They come pretty close to want to thump each other and bump each other. I've seen that. I have seen that. That's not my ministry. Well, everybody can't be a nursery ministry. Everybody can't be a senior ministry. Everybody can't. But, well, we have them. But sometimes we're to wear two hats. And sometimes we've got we to we put ourselves in the background and forget about getting the message and take care of our visitors. 
and their needs. And step up for them and bless them so they can hear what we already know. Let's worship God. I'm talking about how to make a great church. Why people care? Well, I'm leaving because I'm offended. Well, I, many years ago, said in my heart, nobody in church is big enough to get me in a church. You could spit like a frog. I don't care if your neck is as long as a giraffe, you're sticking nose in my business. I don't care if you bring chemical warfare with your skunk oil. I'll survive it. You cock that, lay your straws, lay that, skunk all that. I will survive it by shield of faith. You will not drive me. You know why? Because you didn't bring me in and you won't take me out. Let's worship God. <laughs> Number nine, they were scattered. Number ten, they lost their purpose. Everybody in McMurray has a purpose while God created them. You have a purpose. You may not find it, but you have a purpose. You're not just good looks. On a job, being blessed with a nice house. God give it a house for a reason. Give it a job for a reason. Find out why. Don't get so confident that you forget about why he gave it to you. Unless you slay you while the meat is in your mouth. <laughs> Amen. Why do you give this to me, God? Why do I have this thing? When I was working at Nate, God says, now here's what I brought to you, boy. So the Bible class right here. So I did. God didn't give me a computer to watch dirty, manga, dirty programs. I got to monitor myself. I'm my own monitor. Boy, pretty quiet around here. I'd be my own judge. And if my heart condemned me not for what I'm looking at and reading, then I'm clean. But boy, if my heart started condemning me, the one behind me is even worse. You got a rod and a sword. Praise God. And number 11, after you lose purpose, there's conflict of goals, butting heads. You see, I don't care who leads. Personally, I, I've been on many committees before. I don't care who leads. I'm there to contribute what I can. If they need me, they'll use me. If they don't, they refuse me. I'm just sitting like a tool in the box waiting to be picked up. They may never pick me up, but I'm waiting, available, ready. I just don't want to be absent from that box without a reason. Amen? So, before God says, I better stop them, and now God ignore them because they were no longer a threat to him. The book of Acts started this way. The greatest Jesus prayer Jesus prayed, one was for Peter, that he might not fail. Because he was concerned about Peter failing. And he had, he had a job for him down the road. But then the Lord, the Lord, the Bible tells me, his last prayer for Gethsemane was, Lord, he says, Father, that they may be one. He's asking the Father 
to merge conflicting cultures, conflicting backgrounds, upbringing, languages, ethnic origin. You know why he's praying that? Because he was the one that introduced it. If he didn't do it in chapter 11, he wouldn't have to be praying for it. Because they were one. And they were doing exactly what he's praying for. And he stopped it. And you have the world killing each other, dying, because they were not one anymore. Nation destroyed of nations, kingdom of kingdoms. That never was possible in chapter 11. Never! And then he said, I'm going to build my church now. And I want the church to be like Tower of Babel. Your goal is to get to heaven. What you're building will take you to heaven. And you can't do it without oneness. And for the first time, men and women are praying in the same upper room. It never happened before. Church your Bible. There's a court of the Gentile division. Court of the, of, of the women. Huh? Court of the Jews. For the priests, <coughs> and there was division. And the first thing they did on the cross is tore it up. Split that veil up and said, I don't want that division. I'm asking a question. Can you folks have choir practice in none of a fight? I don't know if churches where they had to fight. Little fight and punch each other up. Not here, but uh when I was a kid, I saw it happen. Can the musician and the PA guy have peace? Can the hostess and the usher have peace? Can the Sunday school teachers have harmony? Who's going to do what? Can the church volunteer want to work on the building? Not fight over what color paint to use. Hello? No, I know nobody fight about who carried the trash out. It's an unwanted job. They had all things in common. They have one accord in one place. Everything they did was already done at the Tower of Babel. And now they imagine to reach the world. Hello? They want to reach the world. To get to heaven. And Satan was going to come and do to us what God did to them. From whence come division among you? From whence come fighting and all that stuff? What am I trying to say to you? What am I trying to say? The devil I've always used on the church what God used on him. If you guys can't see that, it's very plain. Now, 
In Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 10, nobody's interested in reaching other nations, other people. It's all culturally based, Jews and Jews only. In chapter 11, when they found that others coming in, they got what? Angry that a Gentile was coming in. God privately brought in an Ethiopian, which nobody knew about, it was Philip. And to stop Philip from telling them, he, 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 he whipped them off to a foreign field somewhere else in Azotus. So they don't know about Ethiopia on the message. And the attack, the attack, listen now, the attack, Peter, this is not a black church. Do you hear me? This is not a Jamaican church. This is not a white church, an Indian church. Say amen. amen. Do you hear me? Amen. This is the church. Amen. You better clap your hands or stomp your feet or I stomp you. <laughs> this is not a Filipino church or a French church. It's called church. Undefined who is in it. Now, we are the body of Christ. Now, he's got a problem because, my God, he's got so many cultures in him. How does he survive? We've got all these different languages. You know, it's the same church. We don't have a deaf ministry here. We literally forgot them. Before I close, Acts chapter 5 is where division starts. And that's the fire started it. And God was angry. I said, why did you do it? He said, Satan put it in your heart to break rank. You know, when I first came in church as a newcomer, the first thing I had to realize, I didn't know everything. I thought I knew everything. To God opened my eyes that I'm just a raw sinner going to hell. And I knew what those strange people had. And I wasn't qualified to condemn or affirm what they were saying. I was just open to whatever they're going to teach me. And I checked the book. I checked my Bible. Because it was allowed to read your Bible in our church. We're in our church. You know what I did? I look at those that were before me in the faith. They didn't know they were affecting me. I could tell those who were for it and those who were against it. And I could tell those, let's stand, who were on the fence. I could tell. And now I made a conscious decision. I'm not going to hang around those who are against it because I'm not going back where I came from. I love where I'm at. I don't understand all of it, but I love where I'm at. I love my experience. I can look back now after those years since 1980 and tell you, 72, God has exceeded what the preacher told me God would do for me. I haven't lost anything that God shouldn't have taken from me. But I've gained things that I don't deserve. 
And I made up my mind to be in oneness with truth. No matter who teaches it, where it's at, I'm going to be in oneness with truth. I refuse to be a rebel. I refuse to cause discord so God could put a mark of Cain on me. I want to be in one accord. And I realize if I don't understand it, it means that I just don't know. But I will not assume they're wrong. Because the buck is on me. Amen. I see scriptures that baffles me. Look like contradiction. I say, oh no. The problem is with the reader, not the writer. I want to be in oneness with the apostles. So I said, well, Pastor Neil, can we just talk religion? Let's not read it. No, 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 you, you missed the mark. I want to be in oneness with the prophets, the apostles, and the church. And God said that they all may be one. You know what Paul did? In Acts chapter 19, in fact, chapter 18 on, in chapter 17 on, we see... God began to unite languages that he destroyed. Because he gave them all those languages, Greek and Hebrew and all those Spanish-speaking and, and Ukrainian and Russian and Patois. No, we made that up. God didn't give us that. <laughs> we made Patois up. And Creole, we made Creole up. God didn't give that to you. It's not in the Bible. You made that up. Pigeon language. But the real languages of the world, the genuine one, I don't, I don't mean the the, the side issue one that you created by your slangs. The real one God gave. He turned around and said, go preach to all one language, one nation, one kingdom. Would you bow your head to God tonight? Can we become one? You know what I've learned by experience? There are times in my life, even if I fall time right, I give up my right just to be in oneness. I don't mean compromise truth. I mean, I just will not be a rocker of the boat. I want to be one. This church can be great. You can be great. Greater works than these shall you do, Jesus says. I didn't limit you just to greatness, but greater works. God can use you. I don't care where and how. And you can support whatever God is doing. Doesn't matter who. If God is doing it, I'm behind it. I'm for it. Lord Jesus, that they might be one. A greater oneness than they had the Tower of Babel. A oneness that's redemptive, communicable, indivisible. Fusion, not confusion. Having all things in common. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Having all things in common. Loving one another.